Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 7.30 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. <laughs> Alright, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs> learned a valuable lesson today yeah that when a recipe says to put a bunch of ingredients in a food processor sure especially when it's a mix of dry and wet ingredients yeah the blender is not an acceptable substitute just take your chances mixing by hand oh why what what happens is just pureed it too much and no like it just gummed all up and like the blades could spin but like the food wouldn't move Mm. and i've got the weird like plastic dildo thing that you use to shove the ingredients <laughs> down into the blades yeah, that yeah. comes with the blender. Yep. Uh, and I was like, the, it wouldn't reach far enough down with the lid on, like, you know, because you stick it through the lid. So I took the lid off and I was poking it. And of course, uh, it doesn't like to make contact with the blades. It's like... <laughs> 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 so I ended up just kind of like stirring it and then using that thing is like hollow on one side. So I just like scooped it out like an ice cream scoop and, and I was making crispy quinoa cakes. Oh. So I had to like, so I scoop them all out and make them into little patties and put them in the oil. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and I'm sure that quinoa probably just was like, Bloop. nope, we're blocking everything. It was hot, like freshly cooked quinoa and then like breadcrumbs and... Uh, like this flaxseed water mixture and like shallots and garlic. So like it was this mix of like wet and dry ingredients that was supposed to all come together to be this perfect little pad. And, you know, it, it worked fine. Yeah. Everything's fine. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I used to do Mason, uh, Mason jar salads and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. the way you would do is you put your dressing on the bottom, then your mm-hmm, quinoa, mm-hmm. quinoa, and then you load everything up. But you know, I would make them on like a Sunday, but by the time Monday lunchtime hit around, you know, I would turn my thing upside down so that all, you know, everything's supposed to like, you know, the quinoa would then fall into the salad part and the dressing mm-hmm. would leak, but then it would just be like a block of quinoa with the dressing on top and all the salad ingredients yep. would, of course, you know, fall to the top of the lid. And I'm like shaking it like, <laughs> no, come out, come out. And then I have to like <laughs> shake it up and then it break apart and then everything mixes together. But yeah, it was a... Uh, it's quite the ordeal, but it was it was good. That was a uh, back when I was working in an office years ago. Yeah. That's been many years since I've worked in a traditional office. Well, technically, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you were you were kind of like. Well, this past year, yeah, last yeah, year I you was were doing that for a little while. Yeah, I was in I was that. in the office almost the whole year, but I mean, it was a lot. Like I was in I was running a whole building, so I was like walking yeah. around a building a lot, and especially whenever we were filming. You know, but I spent the first five, six months of last year at home 
because the pandemic yeah. shut down and, you know, it shut everything down. But then once we got back up and running, you know, I was in an office. But again, you know, if there was a movie going on, I was always like off where the set was or, or walking around and stuff. So you never really, I was never really just sitting around per se. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huh. But yeah, I don't know. And now I sit at home and it's great uh, yeah. for the most part. Um, but before but, we begin, uh, Caleb, it's very why? important. You know what I'm going to say. I need you to take off your shirt and show me your back. <laughs> we're clear? We're clear. Yeah. You can't see why I'm clear. I'm clear. Yes. Yeah. We're clear. <laughs> so I'm I'm really glad uh I'm really glad we found this movie to watch um because uh I you know, we've had some trouble in the past with some of these obscure movies and they're only like rentable or sometimes they're not even rentable and it just becomes an ordeal. Uh this movie was rentable, but we did actually find a copy on uh YouTube. And I'm hoping once we get to a part, I, I, I'm not sure if we watched this. I didn't uh, follow your link because I ended up looking it up on my Apple TV. I'm hoping oh, okay. that there wasn't a part missing out of mine because there was a really weird like it didn't look like a jump. Like everything looked very, you know, continuous. It didn't look like there was weird edits, but like a plot point happened where I was like, wait a minute, how the fuck did that happen? And I was very confused. So when we get to that, you'll have to let me know if I missed a scene or something because All right. it was, mm -hmm. uh, it was weird. I was like, wait a minute. No, he was just standing there talking about how did that. So. Yeah, there, there are some, uh, oh, I didn't. I was trying to look up the the actors, and all I did was just click on the links for all the characters. So that doesn't help. <laughs> um, th there are some minor, we'll call them inconsistencies, sure. uh, throughout this movie. Uh, nothing, not, not major glaring holes, but like enough that you're like, ah, wait, but really, yeah. Um, and I was I was very intrigued to see how this would hold up. Uh, so I guess, uh, this is the point where before we go any further, we intro the show. Yeah. So that being said, hello and welcome to the Never Heard of a Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Fight. And I guess I'm a Kavanaugh now. <laughs> oh, what a, that's a deep cut. Uh, so we're here, uh, continuing on with Alien Invasion April, uh, and we are, uh, covering a film that actually Caleb, uh, I guess, had seen a while back, and he was like, we have to do this film. So this film is called mm -hmm. The Puppet Masters from 1994. Yeah. Yeah, so The Puppet Masters, like you said, 1994, uh, sci-fi film, uh, based on a novel of the same title by Robert A. Heinlein, uh, and you know, we, we've already gone into how uh, Starship Troopers was uh, super formative for me. Um, and I, I, I honestly don't remember which I stumbled into first. Uh, I think it was probably this movie, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, I actually, so uh, at some point in my childhood, we ended up with just like boxes and boxes of VHS tapes that we got from somewhere. I don't even remember where anymore. And it's not like it really matters because like, Nobody listening to this would know anyway. Um, but amongst them was a promotional copy of this sci-fi movie called The Puppet Masters. Uh, and when I say promotional copy, I mean that like periodically throughout the movie, it would have that text scroll across the the top, like not for resale, promotional copy only. Uh, you awesome. know, the, just enough to annoy you if you were like were trying to make a quick buck on it, but. Uh, not enough to make the movie not watchable. Uh, and I watched this movie several times because I was just like, this, this is cool. You know, young, 
you know, I guess, 13-year-old me, uh, 12, 13 years or whatever at the time that this would have been released, yeah. was like, the, this is, then you know, it's kind of scary, but kind of cool uh, alien invasion sci-fi movie. And then, of course, I, uh, I later read the book, and there's still some parts of that that, like, stick with me. It's been fucking forever since I've read that, and I actually want to reread it. Uh, but there's some things that I remember. I'm like, oh, yeah, this was really different. Uh, so it'll be fun to talk about that. But I haven't seen this movie Probably in close to two decades uh, at this point. Uh, and I was really curious to see how it held up. And honestly, for the most part, it does. It's not bad. No, uh, like yeah. it doesn't feel dated uh, at all. I mean, uh, you know, there's a few things here and there, like when you see computer screens and stuff like that, or like one yeah. scene he holds up a floppy disk and you're like, LOL. <laughs> but other than that, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Do you remember when a floppy disk could like change the world? Yeah. That's <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, uh, it, I remembered this movie when we were rewatching Save Yourselves because the, the poofs move around by shooting at that like tentacle and they, yep. they zip around that way and they kill people through that. And in the back of my head, I, all I could think of was like, this is so much like the puppet masters. We should watch the puppet masters. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so you know, sat down to rewatch it and remembering what a, like, uh, we won't go so far as to say, like, stellar cast, but, like, what a packed cast. I like, mean, for the you year? You know almost Hell, every yeah. person in this movie. And especially, yeah, for for the year that it was released, like, these people have all been in, like, things that you have probably seen at some point or another uh, throughout the years, and especially at this time. Uh, and I think half the cast probably was in uh, Law & Order. Yeah. And I'm thinking specifically uh, Sam Anderson is in this and uh, yeah, he's Richard in, Belzer is yeah, in this. Yeah, Richard Belzer was in uh, uh, SVU. I mean, he's been in that show for yeah. the entire time. Sam was in uh, uh, Criminal Intent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, Julie Warner, I mean, has been in tons of different things. And then, of course, Donald Sutherland, um, you know, who, uh, w- you know, we'll get into it, but was actually in a movie uh, in the seventies called the body snatchers, uh, which is, oh, yeah, yeah. uh, which is very, very interesting because, um, there are a couple of elements that are borrowed, uh, from, from the body snatchers that from, and he was yeah. in the original one, uh, from this film, there's a few, like, uh, I don't know if they're like homages. I would assume, I feel like they were probably done as like, a. You know, hey, he was he was the guy in the movie. We did the thing, you know, where they open the mouth and stare at people. You know, like there there was yeah. a few things that um, uh, I feel like uh, were uh, directly related to this. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And yeah. it, honestly, it could very well also be uh, like just a cycle of influence because the Puppet Masters the novel was written in 1951. So right. you go like. 20 years into the into the future and they're making the movie Invasion of the Body Smatchers and it, it you know borrows elements from this uh this subgenre of sci-fi at least right. if not directly from this story and then they go 20 years later and make a film of the puppet masters and it's borrowing from the precursors in the film genre and like it's really cool to see how those elements build on each other over the years. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was like like Body Snatchers there's like four different versions of the Body Snatchers there's Invasion of the people um you know all of those sort of uh films there's a lot of elements to that and actually 
uh, just recently uh, and a, a little over a year ago, Doctor Who actually did uh, somewhat of a reference um, to this uh, in Revolution of the Daleks. And then I can't, I think it was called the Time of the Daleks. Um, but basically what happens is, is a, a Dalek gets captured uh, you know, thousands of years ago, gets, you know, split apart and buried on Earth, uh, and then it it eventually reforms itself. And what it did was it wraps itself around the back of a human, sticking its, mm. hand, you know, things inside its brain and making them walk around and do things. So it was, you know, obviously Neat. directly lifted uh, from this plot point. Uh, but that happened in, in that, and that was actually just the New Year's special this past year, Revolution of the Daleks, uh, where that oh. was what happened. So that was a really cool... Um, I really cool. When I saw that, I was like, "Oh shit!" They must have, you know. I was like, "He must have, uh, the Doctor Who must have got that from, you know, Robert Heinlein." That was, that was awesome. And I just noticed we've actually done three Robert Heinlein uh, uh, variations because we did this Starship Troopers and Destination mm-hmm. Moon. Oh yeah, because he wrote Destination Moon. Yeah, that's right. Yep, and I mean he was. Uh, super active, especially in like Cold War era uh, and writing sci-fi, and like so much of that comes out in his writing. And we we talked a lot about uh, the uh, influence of uh, the like the fascist regimes in uh, Europe during mm-hmm. World War II uh, on the like hyper-militarized society in Starship Troopers. Uh, there in the novel for the Puppet Masters, uh, you know, this is kind of a post-Cold War, uh, Cold War and like uh, the uh, Soviet superpower has conglomerated itself into this like massive uh, entity and there are elements that involve them kind of going behind the curtain, so to speak, right. uh, in like you know, in espionage and like how that lends itself to this plot of these aliens being able to take over human bodies and like not knowing like who to trust add in the element of this real life. We don't know who to trust because anyone could be a spy for the other side. And like, there's some really interesting uh, influences on his writing that, you know, we, we still see now, uh, as you mentioned with uh, the, the latest doctor who we still see these, uh, these ideas and these plots play out in modern times. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, and then also fun fact about the movie version of this. Uh, so there, there's uh, uh, if you look up, there's a lot of writers listed on this, and that's because this film was submitted um, by multiple screenwriters uh, at different drafts. You know, it just it, it just took a while to get the ball rolling. So, you know, basically what happened is someone would submit a script and they'd be like, yeah, sure, we'll buy your script. And then they'll be like, eh, maybe we'll make it. And then maybe a couple months will go by and they'll be like, yeah, we'll make it, but we got to rewrite this part. So they'll hire another writer. And then they kept doing that and kept people kept uh, updating it. And one of the final versions was actually written by uh, David Goyer, um, who ah. uh, David Goyer is, uh, you know, very well known. He did um, Dark City, which I love. Of course, most people know him uh, as the writer for uh, Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, uh, Batman vs. Superman, a bunch of other things. But uh, I actually worked with David Goyer. He was uh, the producer of The Night House, which is actually coming out in a couple of months. Um, so that's uh, pretty exciting. But yeah, he did the Man of Steel screenplay. Uh, the Ghost Rider one. Um, I, I mean, you know, if you're if you're a fan of uh, if you're a fan of writers and you follow producers and stuff like that, like you 100 percent know David Goyer. Like he's, you know, everybody knows David Goyer. So yeah. Um, but yeah, so he he was uh, one who submitted a draft for this, and and most of the elements from this uh, film are taken from his uh, version of it, which is pretty cool. 
Very cool. Yeah. Uh, another kind of just fun tidbit. I, I messaged you this morning. We're talking about how um, the uh, the NPR weekend show uh, Ask Me Another yeah. uh, did a segment today where they're quizzing people on sci-fi shows that were set in the future that is now the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, in the back of my head, I was thinking this is probably one of them. I couldn't remember the exact setting, and they never say in the the movie. Uh, obviously, we know that their future is very much uh, like the mid nineties because uh, yeah. we we both lived through everything that you know, you know, minus the aliens, everything that we see on screen, we we've experienced in real life. Uh, but the book was set in the far distant future of two thousand seven. Hey, <laughs> talk about the future. Yeah, I, you know, I uh, uh, just recently, and by just recently, I mean every uh, month or so, I watch Demolition Man, and I think mm. that movie is actually set uh, uh, in in the now-ish times. I think it's it's sometime right around now. I think it's like 2022, yeah. maybe. Um, but there's so many things in, in Demolition Man that are somewhat true, uh, but, uh, you know, a few things were missed. That's... Um, why I appreciate that so much modern sci-fi is very nebulous and like doesn't set a defined time period. They'll say like the distant future right. or they won't address the time period at all because then it, it allows them to continue to be a bit more timely uh, and less like, man, remember when we thought Unicron was coming in 2005? <laughs> right. You know, that was, uh, a, that was a cartoon. So no one actually thought that, but I got to admit, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> You're like, son of a bitch. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like that's one of those blunders that that happened very early in sci-fi, and people didn't really start fixing that until really recently, where people yeah. were started just saying, in the near future, in the distant future, not so long from now, or they just literally wouldn't say at all. You just assumed it was some sort of generic future. So like IO, as an example, the episode we just did, mm-hmm. Uh, two episodes ago is a really great example is that that one it doesn't really say when it just says in the future this thing happens and you know life is that you know we even tried to like figure out what year it was but you know we couldn't because obviously there's no like focal point to to jump off of um and i think that's great because you know then it excuses any sort of weird technical you know technological things and and stuff like that where you're like well that's you know we don't do that anymore uh, um, one of my favorite examples, uh, the, was it 1981 film, uh, Escape from New York? Yeah. Was literally filmed outside of my current house. <laughs> that's like, awesome. That's like, that, the, that was their vision of a post-apocalyptic, uh, New York City was, uh, Midtown St. Louis in the early 80s. <laughs> so... <laughs> Man, were they wrong. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So, uh, so the Puppet Masters. So the Puppet Masters starts off, you know, I have to say the character development and introduction in this film is terrible. Oh, yeah. There is no, like, lacking. Yeah. It is so superficial. Like, you know, we get very generic introductions. So the film starts off with, you know, we see a couple of kids and they're throwing around some metal thing that I guess is supposed to be a Frisbee. I don't know why it couldn't just be a Frisbee. Like I, I love the kind of visual nod to like, this is a flying saucer story and the kids are playing with something that looks like a flying saucer. It's, you know, it's quirky. It didn't need to be there, but it it was fun. Yeah. And then uh, we see some sort of sky thing happen and we realize that, 
oh shit, obviously aliens are coming. And, you know, so the kids uh, finally get a hold of local, insert local sheriff who was like, oh, kids, you, you saw a thing, come show me the thing. And they're like, yeah, yeah, it's down over here. And just as he walks up, they smash him on the head with a baseball bat and drag him off. Uh, and that's how we know that our story's begun. These these kids are now uh, possessed by aliens. Uh, and mm -hmm. then insert our main characters. So right off the bat, we get introduced to uh, Donald Sutherland, who plays Andrew Nivens. Uh, who, who plays Donald Sutherland. Who plays Donald Sutherland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just Donald Sutherland and everything he does. I think this was actually in, you know, I may have seen him in something else, but I think this was my real introduction to Donald Sutherland. Uh, if I'm being honest, I, like this is w what I remember him most for uh, from my childhood. So I didn't, uh, I I didn't see this movie when it came out. Um, so I mostly remember Donald Sutherland from Invasion of the Body Snatchers, um, the 1978 version, uh, because I loved that movie. Um, but I, I also didn't, remember I didn't watch scary movies. Yeah, it it was it I was didn't. creepy, but I I dug it. Um, but I also remember him because uh, my mom really loved Mash and specifically mm. the movie. Uh, I remember watching him in, in Mash. Um, but then also that, of course, he was in uh, the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, so I I remember him from that as well. Um, it's it's weird though because like this is the first introduction to him that I can remember, right? He will never be anything but this, like, vaguely, like, late middle age, early old man, like, image in my head. Like, I know he had to have been a youth at one point, <laughs> uh, and I know that he has since gotten significantly older, uh, given that, what, like, 25 years have passed since this. Uh, yeah. But in my head, like, he remains forever... Uh, uh, Dr. Nivens. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, same. He He's one of those actors. That, like, Sean Connery was a perfect example of that. Like, I had an yeah. image in my head of what Sean Connery looked like. And then when they started showing pictures of him uh, when he died, of, like, what he looked like over the past six months, I was like, wait, what the... F what? What? How did he get this old? I don't understand. <laughs> like, it just old. It was just instant because, you know, he hadn't really done anything in a few years. But I still saw, I still was watching movies he was in, you know, like I still watched Indiana Jones. I still watched, uh, you know, The Rock or uh, um, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So he just looked like that to me because I never saw him as anything else. And then yeah. it was just all of a sudden he was old. And I'm sure that's probably how Donald Sutherland is for me now. I mean, because he's got to be in his 80s, right? Like oh, there's easily. no way. Yeah, he was born in 1935. The dude's 90. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like yeah and he's he still definitely doesn't too. look like that yeah well yeah he, that's what's crazy god damn <laughs> god damn god damn <laughs> like he's he's done more work like in this last like decade or so than like eric tall uh has done in his entire <laughs> his career, entire career. Is, yeah uh, i mean significantly younger good reason but uh <laughs> So, yeah, so we're introduced to Donald Sutherland, who is the head of the science and government place division. Uh, and I don't know. He has generic NASA science secret title guy. Yeah, uh, so they work for, um, it's like the, the scientific intelligence uh, division, uh, which is vaguely associated with the CIA. Again, this all stems out of Cold War uh, intelligence gathering, right. spycraft uh, sort of stuff. So he's 
Like, we're not supposed to know about this agency because it's so super secretive. So they they hint at that. They, well, he, he uh, says Sam it, actually literally. says that at <laughs> one point. Uh, and it's kind of like, this is all you need to know. Like, we're a super secretive agency and, like, we have the authorization to do everything going forward that we're going to do. Yeah, so so Nivens is sent out to basically investigate uh, this UFO sighting. So apparently this town is blowing up and everyone's like, oh my God, there is a UFO. The local news ends up reporting on it. And basically what it, what it is is that there is essentially an actual spacecraft that, you know, the local town is basically, you know, guard, you know, basically building around um, that they're like, you know, pay X, uh, pay a dollar to come and see the spacecraft. So these this agency, you know, Donald, Donald Sutherland's like, hey, you know, pretty much, you know, yeah, we probably think half of this is fake, but we think it might be stemming from a real incident. So they so they actually go. So the idea is, is that which I love that they set this whole premise up like they spend a few minutes on this premise and mm -hmm. never utilize it at all. He was like, okay, so we're going undercover and I'm your dad and Sam and uh, Mary, who is played by Julie Warner, you guys are brother and sister and like, you know, we're going to blend in this town and figure out, but it never comes into play ever. Like literally it's, ever. <laughs> it, it, again, it's it's one of those really disappointing things when a novel translates to, to film is like that whole idea of them being able to like shift identities on the fly, even go back to, I think if I remember right, like their cars are even the kind where like they push a button and like the license plates change on yeah. the fly. And like, they always have, you know, a new identity handy and ready to go. Like there's a lot of that, like a lot more of the espionage uh, aspect in the story. And that was a, a severely, uh, that uh, that was a big miss, uh, I think, is what I what I'm going for here. Uh, is that there was a lot more opportunity for that in this film that they didn't really go for. Yeah, and you know what though, I mean, it. it I see what they were building up, and I, I can definitely tell that this is probably remnants from a previous draft where they probably tried to integrate into the town a little more, and then mm -hmm. discovered things were happening, and it was probably cut for time or you know for pacing, because um, I can see why they would do that because they do go into this town and they do end up dealing with some of the townspeople, uh, you know, for a minute, and I, I see where that was definitely left over, and then once the final draft happened, somebody was probably just like, oh shit. Like it's on the day that we're filming that we probably should have taken that scene out. Ah, fuck it. We'll just throw it and keep it. Whoops. In. Yeah. Or, or it got cut on the floor or whatever. Um, but yeah. yeah, so they, so they head off and, you know, Mary is, uh, an exo scientist. So her job is to basically, you know, for NASA determine what extraterrestrials would look like. Um, so she's, mm -hmm. she basically works with biology at the idea of their biology and anatomy. Um, so they, they get to the landing site and this part absolutely like i feel like that this is like kind of like this subtle sexism type thing that they wrote in for a character to make it be like oh she's a strong female but it just came off as like misogynistic uh mm -hmm. you know to be like well a guy definitely wrote that because the thing that tips them off is that as they're going and investigating this ufo thing after they do it, you know, Mary decides not to go into the UFO thing because obviously when you walk into this facility, that's where they're slapping the alien on your back and, and you know, converting you. And she's like, you know what? I'm not going to do it. And as she leaves, she was like, yeah, something's up with them. They're, they're not human. And they're like, 
how do you know? And she was like, because none of them looked down my shirt. And I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck? Like, what? The, like, either you're crazy stuff, stuck up arrogant, or this is just terrible writing. I'm going to go with the terrible writing based on the rest of your character. It's, you know, it's not great writing. Ellen was next to me, but not paying attention. And she heard part of the explanation. She's like, I'm sorry, they what now? <laughs> and I was like, all right. So there are like three teenage boys here. And she's very obviously like kind of like unbuttoning her top button of her blouse and like leaning over a bit and like touches the shoulder. Cause she senses that there's something off. She even like, right. you know, they, they pass a couple people in the woods and they just look like blank eyed and uh, like totally out of it. And like, she senses that something's off there. And so she takes it that step farther by like, you know, this this kid gave me no attention whatsoever, and she even references like you know I'm used to like you know she goes to like shake someone's hand you know mime that, and she's like I'm used to a guy like you know she mimes them looking her up and down, and Sam is like really she's like yeah you're still doing it yeah <laughs> and she, she's making the point like she's used to men being creepy scumbags to her right and here she is with three teenage boys and a bunch of like you know country men that she hasn't met and like she's got her boss unbuttoned a little bit and like she's looking for a reaction and like getting nothing so she like plays that up like dramatically like obviously and still gets no reaction and at that point She's like, call it a hunch. <laughs> right. And you know, they, and, yeah, it's, it's, it's not great writing, but like you, like you could see what they were going for. No, but I get, like, I mean, it's, yeah. it was, it's a bit of a whiff. Yeah. And you know, they, they played it up a lot too, um, you know, with, with Sam's characters when he first meets Mary, you know, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, well, if my real sister was this good looking, like, are we super cool? You know, like, he really, like, lays on the, like, super creepy, I'm instantly, like, aggressively sexually hitting on you, and we've met four seconds ago, and one, I'm in front of my dad, two, like, I'm on wor- I'm at work, like, three, there's a possible alien invasion happening, and I'm still like, hey, baby, what you packing? I was like, dude, what yeah. the fuck? The 90s it's were a weird. great introduction to <laughs> Sam's character because Sam is something of a sleaze. Yeah. Uh, he's not not particularly fun. I mean, you you can say that he's a good agent, eh, eh, <sighs> but like you know, he is the epitome of like mediocre white guy hero. And like, I I think that like they do a fairly decent job of demonstrating that like he's not really that great. And no. he's also a sleaze. Yeah. And I love it. Like, even the aliens even, like, call him out on it. <laughs> yes. You should see um, the stuff in this guy's head. It's like, yeah. wow, fuck you. That's gross. Uh, even the, the scene, like, as they're getting into the car, getting, you know, they've, they've just all finally met at the airport and they're getting in the car to drive to this small Iowa town. Uh, the dad stops him for a moment. He's like, just so we're clear, uh, she is way more important to this mission than you are. Uh, and so, you know, Sam is like, all right, so if the shooting starts, like, who am I supposed to take a bullet for? And Donald Sutherland, without missing a beat, well, I would expect you to go for both. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you are... You are expendable. Yeah. And I like, like they, they make him the action hero, but they make it very clear, like, he's... You know what? He's just a dime a dozen. Like we got more of these guys in the trunk. Right, right. <laughs> I, you know, I there was a moment uh, in the film which we'll get to in a little bit that I was kind of hoping they would kill him off, and then like she would be the hero of the film, or like Donald Sutherland. But no. 
Um, no. so, so they've basically assessed that, yeah, shit is weird, something's happening, and, you know, we need to figure it out. Um, so they, they essentially, and this is where I feel like they probably would have gone back to the town and, you know, gone through their whole alias thing, but it, but it actually just jumps right into the action from here. Um, and I'm actually forgetting what the first encounter, oh, it's the sheriff, right? No, the, uh, the, like, news director or whatever, the guy who's, like, the chief of the, the local news station. Right. Because they go in to talk to him about the, the news team had gone on site and reported, like, yes, there was, in fact, a UFO. Uh, and then, like, four hours later, like, oh, no, that was uh, a hoax perpetrated by these teenage boys. They built their own spaceship. What do you know? <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, yeah. And, of course, when our you know team of agents gets to the site, they see that it is just, like, this jank home-built uh, spaceship. But the the director, the old man, uh, notices that there are, like, actual scorch marks on the ground. He's like, something landed here, but it wasn't this. Uh, and so they go and they pose as... Uh, agents from the FCC, uh, which we like again, we we don't really get a real introduction to that. We just hear him saying something like, you know, we at the FCC don't take kindly to misrepresentation on air. Right. And I'm like, I don't think that that's true, but <laughs> that's not exactly how that works. But especially in 1994. <laughs> but great, yeah. And they're like, are you accusing us of uh, of you know of lying on the air, of committing this hoax, of being in on it, and like the the director gets like super defensive and then goes for a gun. Uh, and then of course they, they go to tackle him and real Sam shoots him several times, uh, and very like zombie movie style. He doesn't go down as they eventually the, the slug disconnects from him and goes whipping around the room. Yeah. Which, you know, so at this moment, the slug goes whipping around the room and, you know, they're just like watching it happen. I mean, like Sam's right there with his gun, <laughs> Like, I get they want to, like, capture it alive, and they do eventually capture it alive, but, like, they're just like, oh, here it goes, oh, there it goes, oh, it's over there now, oh, it's over there. Well, this is wild to watch. Like, they're, like, <laughs> like they're watching a cat play with catnip. Like, there's no sense of urgency. And the scene immediately following this also has that same sense of, like, no sense of urgency. So they, you know, after shooting this thing, and capturing it in a briefcase, they electrocute it and they capture it in a briefcase and they're like, okay, well, uh, hey, thanks a lot, director. We're going to leave. Okay, bye. And they they leave the <laughs> office like pretending they didn't just fucking murder this guy. Um, and, you know, as they leave, they notice that, you know, a lot of people are aliens and they all kind of start, you know, coming after them. So they hop in their car and they do this getaway drive away. And like the the getaway is is you know they're steering all over the place. A guy jumps onto the side, you know, and like grabs on, and they're like fighting him. But everybody's face is the most blase face. They're just like driving normal, and this guy's like hanging on, trying to capture Mary, and she's like, "Hey, there's he's still attached to the car," and he's like, "Oh, okay." Donald Sutherland just keeps poking just at him with his cane. With his cane. <laughs> Sam, get get rid of this guy. Okay, and then like a kid jumps like through the windshield, and they're just kind of like da 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 da. Like there is no like oh shit ah oh, we gotta <laughs> die. Jarvis help him, and Jarvis is just like <laughs> what? What should I do? Yeah, face. everybody is stone. It was the weirdest <laughs> fucking weirdest Richard Belzer's. Yes, like his his best like disinterested expression. Like couldn't care less. hundred like, percent. Someone could have. Someone could have just been like really just, you know, chatting annoying in his ear, just like, I'm fuck this, I'm done. <laughs> right. Like 
that's the the level of interest that he had in this this kid who had just come flying through the windshield. <laughs> Absolutely unreal. So uh, <laughs> we've gotten our introduction to the first set of aliens. We now know that more than you know that a lot of people in this town are now. Um, uh, possessed or whatever you want to call it. Uh, so before we jump into uh, the rest of the film, let's go ahead and take a quick commercial break. Uh, first off, for those of you watching on YouTube, we want to thank you very much. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. Uh, we super appreciate it. Um, you know, they're pretty much new videos. Uh, you know, we got like five, six new videos every week uh, between us and and fight jokes about everything. So definitely check that out. Uh, and Fight knows about everything. I traveled backwards in time. Um, wow. And uh, I know, it's weird. Uh, but uh, also, for those of you listening on your podcast player of choice, also don't forget to subscribe. And of course, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and review. It's super helpful because that'll get us boosted up in the in the charts and other people will discover us and then we can grow and explode and, you know, do this for a living because that would be great um it wouldn't it? it would wouldn't it yeah it would be pretty cool uh yeah so uh thanks a lot for that uh for for doing that if you could uh we're gonna go to a break and we will be right back set condition one is night shift radio's battlestar galactica fan cast each week battlestar veterans caleb and kitsy revisit and newcomer to the show andrea watches for the first time the 2004 sci-fi series battlestar galactica they've just entered their third season which means you've got two full seasons of sci-fi gold to binge if you want to watch along with them whether you're the commander of a soon-to-be decommissioned battleship or recently promoted to president of the 12 colonies Join Caleb, Kitsy, and Andrea as they make their way through the Battlestar Galactica universe one episode at a time. Watch Battlestar Galactica free on Peacock and find Second Edition 1 at secondedition1throughoutthepodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. Looking for something heroic in your life? Go check out our friends at the Superpod HeroCast. They're guys with beers talking about movies with capes. Every episode goes in depth with a different superhero movie. A classic of modern cinema? A certified stinker? It doesn't matter. If it's a superhero movie, they're going to talk about it. Start with a little bit of comedy, add in some film analysis, and finish it off with a heaping dose of geekery. You've got the Superpod Hero Cast. It doesn't matter if you're a casual fan or a 20th level nerd. Download their latest episode, grab a beverage, and enjoy the fun. The Superpod Hero Cast. Be heroic. Hello and welcome back. <laughs> so we uh, we're talking about the movie um, The Puppet Masters, which is not The Puppet Master. Completely different movie. No, uh, very, very very different, different. plot. Uh, and uh, the other one's much terrible. So we're we're talking about this one because we're talking about alien invasions. Yeah. Yes. yes so uh, when we oh. left it, uh, our 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 crack team of of uh, science expeditionary government people have discovered that the tiny town just outside of Des Moines, Iowa, is fucked. They are fucked at this point. Hell of hell fucked. They got bed bugs in their backs. So <laughs> actually, they kind of look like um, like manta rays, like little yeah yeah, and so. The uh, the aliens, as they're originally written, uh, are described more mm-hmm. slug-like, and like even to the point of being more like soft and gelatinous. Whereas these, uh, they look like, you know, like you said, more like a ray, and they look kind of like they might have kind of a harder outer skin, or you know, something more yeah. equivalent to like a, a shark scale or something like that. Um, and I find that that really interesting because uh, 
that leads the uh, the writing to leave out a lot of fairly major plot points about uh, not only like how the aliens uh, adapt to their their surroundings and to like new threats, but like how uh, the agents are always kind of like one step behind. They 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 think they get an advantage, and the aliens adapt, and so they keep having to change up. So you know, you know we we talked earlier about how like you know they would have the, to show their backs to to prove that they weren't being ridden. Um, well, the the humans would start to notice, like, oh, the people with like kind of humped or rounded shoulders, and so they would kind of uh, they would target people who looked like that. And the aliens found a way to like ride lower to not look like that. And you know, they were soft skinned, so the humans would kind of like death grip them to kill them. Uh, and so the aliens developed a hard art of show and. Uh, you know, rather than having to like strip down all the time, the humans started developing like armored or like protect their neck and like, you know, show that their backs were, were clear while like not leaving them exposed. And like none of that in this, like everyone's just walking around in like three piece suits all the time. Like perfect. Yeah. Place. That's what drove me crazy is because immediately preceding the scene, uh, right when we left a break, they, they come back and they get to the office and, you know, they're, they're, you know, looking at the thing and figuring it out. And, and, you know, um, Nick uh, is you know Donald Sutherland's like okay everybody show your back like we need to you know to show mm -hmm. that you're clear and so you know everybody's showing their back and of course you know one person uh, eventually has it um, and and but like for the rest of the movie why aren't people just like walking around wearing tank tops like why, why would you not just institute yeah. this mandatory dress code of like hi we have to see your back at all times so we know but they were just like Ah, I'm sure it's fine. You know, as you said, keep wearing your your suits and yeah. your covers and all that stuff. And they they barely even required people to like show. Like, did it, like very once. rarely did yeah. they say like, "Are you clear?" Like, lift up your you know the back of your shirt. Like, very rarely did that happen. And it's like. In me, the scene that you're talking about where the, you know, they they uh, make everyone in the office kind of strip down the, their shirts to, to prove it and the one person is like is hesitant and they you know they're like well what about you old man so he starts to do it and then she runs and Sam chases after her and you know ends up alone in the room with her and like gets the the thing off her uh, but then it cuts away and then it cuts back and uh, everyone runs in the room he's like ah damn it got away look and he points to a vent and like the vent is dented like I was too slow. It got out through there. And like, no one says like, Hey Sam, like real quick, let's see your back. That's and the uh, moment. you'd think that that might be an important plot point. And that's so what you saw was exactly right. Like it does just cut from there to now Sam is like this sleeper agent that's embedded deep with the, uh, the, the slugs and is helping them spread to like the highest points of power in the uh, in the country, and that's an incredibly important plot point in the story. That they're just like, and yeah, this is happening. It was now. All of a sudden, it was like, hey, we should have the president come. And you're like, why the fuck is the president? Like, I don't understand. And then Sam's just there, you know, mm -hmm. and like, yeah, that was really weird uh, because I, I remember, I, I, you know, obviously, you know, remember the scene of him chasing her and being like, ah, I got away, but I never made that connection. So like. I don't know if like I just it just didn't click with me, but it was up until the moment later when when you realize that Sam is a part of it. And I was like, wait, but when did he when would he have been exposed? Like, you know, but I I mean, that was cool, but it, it didn't feel like a aha, like surprise. Oh, shit. Twist moment. It was just, it was more of like a wait. 
when the fuck did that even happen? Like, when did that happen? It was really weird. You did see the scene where he goes to Jarvis's uh, apartment, like gets the super. Yeah, to let goes him to the in, crate and, and he's like, yeah. He opens the crate and the guy's like, "What is this?" And he, oh my god, uh, Eric Tall's face throughout this movie whenever Aww. he does a, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, what the so, fuck are you so doing? That's, with your that's face, from dude? the body snatchers. <laughs> is whenever they would, uh, whenever the people that were infected would come across someone who was not infected, they would do that. They would open their mouth really wide. They would point at them and go, oh, <laughs> like that. And that's how it was like, uh, I'm showing that this person is infected. So, like, there's a bunch of famous scenes of Donald Sutherland doing it. Um, but that's that's that moment. That's that moment of like, uh, you know, they, they did that, you know, and actually it's funny as I'm thinking back, uh, there's, uh, this made me think of it too, is that there also was a Rick and Morty episode just recently in the most recent season where they had face hugger guys on their face, but they're, uh, they would be on their face, but the face huggers would talk for them and basically use them as the host. Huh. Uh, so I, that must've been directly from this. So that's kind of funny too. There's another reference. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> oh, and he like, like he doesn't even make he's a just, noise. He's just oh yeah yeah. And in, in uh, his face yeah, is and all the body contorted. Just, they go like oh, oh like it's this weird like inward scream thing. Yeah, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> it was really no, thank creepy you. though. Um, but yeah, so so at this point now we know uh, that that you know we've seen that Sam has uh, happened. When when does the Richard Belzer thing happen? That happens like before this, right? Because that's before Sam is infected. Yeah, they're in um, they're in a briefing talking about the the alien that they found and like starting into a discussion with Graves, the uh, the other like basically like their version of like a, a medical right. examiner and uh, Mary have started to to make some discoveries about it uh, and um, the uh, Sam notices that Jarvis isn't smoking and we see Jarvis several other times like when he's just kind of standing around he's always got a cigarette in his hand and sam's like jarvis when did you quit smoking uh and like that's another tip off that we see throughout the movie is when someone's like regular routine behaviors changes dramatically and suddenly and jarvis like takes off running out of the room it's his uh his slug that transfers to miss haynes that eventually transfers right. to Sam. Yeah, yeah yeah and uh so dr graves is played by will Patton, and uh will Patton you've seen in a bunch of different things so he was in the postman he was in yes. armageddon he was in uh, the mothman prophecies um he he was most recently in minari um, which, uh, he was in the Swamp Thing, uh, uh, DC Universe show, uh, which is now on, uh, HBO Max, mm -hmm, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's, he's been in tons of things. He's definitely one of those, he's a that guy actor where you're going to see him and you're like, oh, that guy. Yep. I, I know that guy. Um, yep. and then as well as we, we meet him very shortly is Keith David, uh, who plays Alex Holland. And uh, Keith Dale, uh, David, you you definitely know his voice, um, but he was in uh, The Thing, he was in They Live, he was in the movie Pitch Black. Um, he's got, I mean, he's been in so many different things, but a lot of voiceover work. Uh, he's been in uh, great stuff, but he's definitely one that you, uh, the minute you see him, like you you'll immediately recognize him from tons of different things. Yeah. 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 
And that's why I say, like, this this isn't, like, major star-studded cast, but, like, you fucking well, know these people. Well, in 1994, it wasn't... This was, yeah. for the time, this was a, a really well-assembled yeah. cast. Yeah, I would say this is, like, B-list. Uh, you know, in 1994, this was a B-list cl- cast, and you were like, oh, yeah, 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 you know? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, so, so at this point, you know, now Belzer's basically dead, and what we learn is that once they've been infected... Um, is that the the little the slugs inject into your brain and that's how they control everything? But they also um, ramp up your body's adrenaline and your heat. Um, so now they've learned mm-hmm. that they can track you via the heat, uh, your heat signature, because they actually you actually end up running around 130 degrees. Um, they also pump up the adrenaline, which makes them faster and stronger. Um, but the other thing is mm-hmm. that once the slug leaves, it's almost like an immediate severe, like, uh, uh, like addiction withdrawal. Um, you know, we see, uh, um, uh, you know, Richard Belzer's character, uh, uh, Jarvis, um, you know, suffering from crazy withdrawal symptoms and he ends up, you know, just going crazy and, uh, overdosing on morphine and killing himself. So... That's another thing that, like, they make a huge point of uh, Belzer, uh, uh, Jarvis, and uh, the Miss Haynes character, and, like, a couple other people are like, oh, it's like they're experiencing withdrawal, and they're like, why would that be? Like, well, imagine having this giant brain one second, because we learned the slugs are basically all brain. Uh, Imagine having this giant brain one second and, like, not the next. What would you do? Like, they make a huge deal out of it. And then anyone else that they... uh, disconnect they either like are just like fine they're kind of like tired and like uh, out of it or like you know they they just kind of breeze over and skip that entirely and so it's like it's never a thing and like it didn't have to be a plot point at all uh you basically only served to give us a chance to see uh jarvis you know vent air into his veins and give himself the bends yeah it was it was really weird. Um, you know, that was probably another one of those things that probably was carried on. We see a little bit of it with Sam uh, later. So after Sam's, you know, they essentially, you know, after Sam's plot to try to, like, take over the president, um, he's captured. You know, they're try- they're basically interrogating the alien. And this is where we get the moment where the alien is speaking through Sam and saying things like, Oh, Mary, you don't know the the fantasies this guy has about you. Do you want me to tell you? And I was like, what the, f- like, is this necessary? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, nope. and uh, you know, he's, uh, uh, Nev- Nibbins is there, uh, you know, interrogating his own son, because it is his, his real, that's his real son. And, you know, he's, he's mm-hmm. there interrogating him. They're like, you won't do it because he's your son. And of course, you know, Nibbins is like, yeah electrocute him again you know he was like i will like i don't give a fuck (laughs) so (laughs) it's like the alien can see and like has access to all of sam's memories and all of his emotions and whatnot and like doesn't realize that like the old man is known for being kind of callous and would absolutely sacrifice his son if he thought for the you know know, it would be for the good of the mission says later like there's a moment at the end where he was like I can't believe you did it. And he was like, well, well, dad, what would you have done? He was like, I would have shot you. You know, like he, he says yeah. it flat out. I'd be like, yeah, I would have yeah. fucking killed you. You know, like, and he, he even when he <laughs> captured him, like they were like, he was like, fine, I'll fucking kill him if I have to. Like he was ready to kill his son to get the information he need and or kill this thing so it doesn't spread. 
Um, but instead mm-hmm. they keep it and put it on a bunch of chimpanzees because why not? I feel like that was a really weirdly popular thing in the nineties was like showing chimpanzees being experimented on or like having them in facilities. And I know it was, it was because it was a very hot button topic in real life at the moment, uh, during the nineties where people were mm-hmm. discovering that they were, you know, doing animal testing and stuff like that. But it was a really weird trend. Yeah. And I think that there was, uh, it's, it's been long enough that I don't remember for sure. I know that this plot point of like learning how, uh, the slugs reproduce was in the, in the novel. Um, and I think that it had something to do with, they were trying on different animals to see how they, they would react. Um, but yeah, it, 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 it feels weird yeah. now. Yeah, it that. was it was very uh, uh, disconcerting. Even though you know it was a very apparent that the chimpanzees weren't weren't actually being. I mean, they were just walking around a room. Um, but you know, we get this moment of of learning that the aliens outside of a host body, you know, or if they jump to another body, they still remember and keep track of everything that they had. So basically, once they've collected that information, they have it. Uh, and, you know, we learn in a previous scene, which I thought was really cool, and I wish they would have uh, kind of built on this a little more, is so so Nivens is, is interrogating him and asking him all these questions. And, of course, you know, the aliens playing coy. Um, but then at one point he says, how many of you are there? And the alien is just like, mm-hmm. I am one. Like, and, you know, it kept getting frustrated. And you could see that it was like, I don't understand, you know, and it eventually like Sam, they kind of electrocute it and Sam like breaks through and he was like, the alien doesn't understand what you mean by how many are there because they're, they're a hive mind. They only, they all think the same thing. And we learn that they communicate two different ways. So one is they, they have these extra set of tentacles that come out that kind of look like hands and they do a little handhold and that's how they exchange their information. But also we learn that there is a central base that essentially they go and info dump. And once they do that, it spreads back out to the rest of the colony. So they're learning. They now know everything from everything else. Um, and, and that's mm-hmm. where that comes in. So I thought that was a really cool thing of like, he doesn't understand what you mean by how many. Which again, it really highlights the missed opportunities in like being able to demonstrate the way that the aliens learn and adapt throughout the story. Because if they're info dumping, like you said, that's a, a, a great term for it. Uh, and if they're just all ending up with the same information once they, they get back together, then sooner or later, one of them is going to be like, oh, they learned how to uh, recognize that we're heightening body temperature. We should be better about regulating that. And another one's going to be like, oh, they realized how easy we are to kill with the X method. And like, we should adapt to that. And like, just completely like... Missed that entirely again. Yeah, they kind of, they, they like sort of bring it up later in the movie, but it's very much like, uh, oh, okay, well, you know, we got to get the aliens. Anyone could be an alien. Yeah, no, I noticed that they lowered their body temperature now. So that's a thing. Anyway, so, okay, here we're going to do, you know, it's like, wait, wait, no, stop. That sounds really important. You should go Mm -hmm. back and talk about that a little more. Uh, so now, so Sam's been undone and we see that he's having a little psychological break about this. Um, you know, and he has this little freak out moment in the shower and, you know, Mary comes to his rescue and she was like, Hey, you know, what's going on? Oh, content warning. Uh, there's like one instance where somebody drops an F bomb and we do see Sam's butt and that's about it. 
Um, yeah, and uh, so Mary, you know, comes in and was like, Oh my god, like Sam, it's okay, it's okay. She takes him back to his apartment and immediately starts hitting on him. And uh, you know, and, and she was he was like, Whoa, okay, let's like let's do this. And she, you know, she keeps he keeps trying to put his hands around her and she keeps pushing his hands down. And she says, like, don't move. And she goes to take off her shirt. And of course, you know, I feel like Sam should have instantly picked up on this. And I feel like he didn't, but she was being really obvious. And especially having yeah. just had one on your back, I feel like I, you should be like in that mindset, but you know, then again, as you mentioned, mediocre hero. This, this is where we get another important plot point that is just kind of breezed over. You know, they the, they meet Sam's cat who like runs out the window. She's like, is it okay for him to be out there? Oh yeah, he's fine. He'll, he'll come back when he wants to. Blah. Does that all the time. And then, you know, he, he mentions like, oh, he's something of a prima donna. He doesn't really like people. And then he leaves the room and comes back and she's holding him. And she's like, look who turned out to be a sweetie after all. And like, you know, again, like the animal was out there, came back, right. something's off. And then we, we, totally breeze over the fact that like it gets mentioned once and, and never again that uh the slug was able to attach to the cat and then transfer to mary from that so like they're jumping cross species they're learning uh and yeah um also this scene was a very confusing thing for for young caleb because i did have a crush on Jimmy <laughs> warner and she's standing there in, in just her underwear but also has the the slug on her back and it's like this is not until species came out would would I be like more conflicted <laughs> that would about uh, Reddit.com slash R slash confused boner. Uh, <laughs> 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 that would be uh, uh that whole whole thing right there. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah. So, yeah. And, and yeah. well, so the scene is also really weird, uh, is because again, Sam doesn't notice it right off the bat, which I feel like was just like such a huge blunder. He really but should also, have. So they're they're still in Des Moines, Iowa. Right? No. They're back in Oh, they're, they're back they're in, in DC. DC now. That's, okay. Like it's mentioned, but it like it's not really like, was like, made clear. They leave Iowa entirely and go back yeah, to Yeah, which to but DC. then they have to go back to Iowa anyways. Because uh, they have to go back to the the little river thing, and that's where the end of the movie takes yeah. place. Yeah, they keep sending like military yeah. forces in, and like the military get, keeps getting un, uh, overrun. So the final thing is to like, okay, we'll just send uh, Holland and Salmon alone to the the hive because Mary had you know had right. took off, and she's you know she now needs to be rescued, uh, and you know. Sam, knowing that not only is she more important than him, made clear by his father, but also uh, him now having a, you know, a, a fling with her. He's like, I have to save her. I must. I'm, I'm the worst equipped for any mission, but I must be the one to save her. LOL. Yeah, so uh, so at this point, you know, the military gets involved. They find out that, you know, they send all these, all these guys in. And, you know, of course, instantly they all get turned into aliens because fucking why? And so it's like, well, that fucking sucks. Like your whole, you know, base thing. And this is where Sam starts like relaying the information of like the... Oh, when we connected, I I got part of their their info, and he says like, 
you know, look, it, it looks like they have these things. They're traveling near water. We looked for heightened areas of, you know, temperature, and we we discovered that this is where their home base is or whatever. So they launch this big mm-hmm. thing to go there and and stop the uh, the alien info dump, and they're like, this is where the mothership is or whatever. And so, you know, they get there, and, you know, they the, the doctor's like, oh, wait, hang on, here's this thing. If you carry it on you, it emits this frequency, and, you know, as long as you don't get too close, they'll think you're one of them, and they'll just kind of ignore you. Um, like, cool, that's another bit of technology that you just sort of, like, eh, instant solve instead of, like, hey, we should exposition that. They just was like, let's solve this plot hole with this blinky device, I guess. Thank God right. for Graves. Probably probably shouldn't have made that joke about him wanting to fuck the alien earlier. Sorry know, about that, was that also buddy. Really awkward. I was like, I don't understand the point of this scene, um, or the one before. You know, because it's like you're you're having an alien invasion. Like now is not the time for joking, and you keep making these really weird, like inappropriate jokes. But anyways, so. So they finally get to the mothership and, you know, uh, Sam goes in there and he's like, ah, okay, I'm going to rescue Mary. You know, be like, we have to save these people. Meanwhile, they gun down about 30 of them. Uh, He was like, we have to save everybody. Just kills like half of them, just annihilates half of this town. And, you know, Sam saves the day, but... Oh, weird. You know, Nivens, Dr. Nivens uh, has to go in and he just wants to take, or, you know, uh, head of Nivens or whatever has to go in. The old, the old man. man. I hate it because it makes me think of Adama the whole time. But uh, so he goes <laughs> and he's like, I have to go and take a look at this place. And oh, he has a little stumble. Oh, that's weird. And then he gets up and he's like, oh, no, I'm fine. All right, I'm going to head back to, to DC or whatever. And he starts walking away and someone's like, oh, hey, your dad forgot his cane. And Sam's like, oh, no. And of course, he goes running after him. We have our big helicopter moment. And this is where we get the moment where, you know, Sam, uh, he shoots his dad. I mean, obviously, just like in the arm or whatever. Um, But, you know, and then he was like, Mm -hmm. you know, and his dad was like, oh, I I can't believe you did it. And he's like, well, what would you have done? He's like, I would have shot you. I would have shot you. <laughs> He's like, and we saved the day. Oh. And they all helicoptered off into yeah. the sunset. Oh, this is like a little bit of a twist on the, uh, what, what you always call the, the mothership theory. Like they learn, you know, they, they, they've tried all of these things to kill the slugs, but they like always kill the host in the process. That was part of the, the chimp experimentation that we thankfully didn't have to see. Um, uh, and they find this kid in the the hive that uh, is alive, but his slug is dead. And so they bring him back, and turns out he's got a case of encephalitis. And they're like, "Oh, well, of course, because that affects the brain, and the slugs are all brain." And they're like, "Well, all we got to do is get people like get mosquitoes out there, and they like, get people close to each other, and then it'll spread like wildfire and kill them all." And like, super convenient. Okay, they're all dead now, uh, except for the the one that gets on the old man. Um, Another thing that's kind of a missed opportunity is, uh, of course, Heinlein was big on this kind of thing. Like, they get a, an expedition together and they go back to Titan, where the, yeah. the slugs are from, to fucking take them out in, like on their own territory. And uh, like, this is just like you know, happily ever yep. after. Sam and Mary yep. get to bone yeah, now without, without slugs. 
uh, yeah, that was another that was another thing that was included. Um, the the uh, director confirmed later that uh, you know just because you know just like in the novel they are in fact from Titan, but we do not ever learn where they're from. Nope. We don't really learn the. Nope. We know what their goal is is just basically to you know infest and breed, but we don't really like we don't really learn the why outside of just like its instinct. Um, they're like, they, they say something to the effect of like, you know, our, our old hosts outlived their usefulness and your bodies are stronger. So we get the sense that like they're colonizing, looking for new and stronger hosts. And like, maybe they wrecked Titan, uh, by like overbreeding and like abusing their hosts or yeah, something so, like that. So we don't, we never really get an explanation, which is fine actually. I mean, this is another thing that like, it was also really great during Save Yourselves is we never really learn why. Um, you know, the aliens are there. Yeah. We never really learn about the aliens per se. Um, and I feel like that was a cool uh, addition. I mean, we we do learn physiologically about the aliens. You know, this is one of the things that that the writers about Save Yourself said, like, there's always some asshole scientist who just knows the answer and figures it all out. And it's, you know, it gets weird. But in this case, you know, we have that mm -hmm. asshole scientist, but we don't ever really learn the backstory of the aliens. We never really learn why, you know, they're, they're here to do what they're doing. We just know that, that they do, um, you know, which is kind of cool. Same thing with body snatchers. You never really learn. You just sort of know that that's what they're after. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, um, the puppet masters is available, uh, streaming for rent, uh, on uh, all services. It's like anywhere between three and $5 anywhere from, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, Apple to Amazon and, and Google and stuff like that. And of course, uh, if you are, mm -hmm. uh, an intrepid internet explorer, um, you may find it, uh, streaming for free somewhere on a site like YouTube. But of course we don't condone things like that. Wink, wink. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, so uh, should you watch this movie? Totally. I, I think this is a great alien invasion movie. Yeah. Uh, like we we've spent uh, just a little over an hour now uh, picking it apart, but honestly, uh, this held up to what I remember of this story, and uh, it, it is not you know, by far not without its flaws. But for you know for the the time that it was uh, that it was written and the the cast and everything, like it it holds up fairly well. It's a decent action movie, uh, and it's a good chance to see a, a mediocre action hero stumble <laughs> yes, a lot. Precisely. <laughs> Uh, so thanks a lot for joining us, everyone. Of course, uh, you know, um, uh, as we mentioned before, don't forget to subscribe, uh, but, uh, hit us up on social media. Um, you can actually hit us up on the night shift radio social media account, uh, which is media NSR. So M E D I A N S R, um, on both, uh, on Twitter and on Instagram, it's night shift radio media. Um, so, so reach out to us, let us know, you know, what you liked, recommend another movie. Um, but of course, if you wanted to do that more formally, Caleb, how could they do that? Well, over on thenahoyts.com, uh, which is conveniently linked right off uh, the nightshiftradio.com website, if you'd rather start mm -hmm. there, uh, which I wouldn't be offended, uh, you can find, of course, our upcoming list of uh, episodes and you know, links to trailers and where you can find them streaming if available. So if you're like, wait, where did they say this movie was? I want to watch it. You can go right there and check it out. But just below that uh, is a contact form where uh, you know, we give you the opportunity to reach out to us uh, and say, hey watch this movie you dumbasses yeah. and we're like fuck it why not <laughs> of course why would we not i'm down i'll watch any movie especially if you preface it with dumbass uh 
Yeah. Here, here's a recommendation, you <laughs> chuckle fucks. Brilliant. So, thanks a lot for joining us, everyone, and we will see you all in the next one. father's tragic past, hidden in the adventures of a cartoon mouse. A cautionary tale on the dangers of temporal tourism. A woman searching for answers after the death of an old friend. This is the Storyteller series, a Night Shift Radio original. Every month we bring a new short story to life in a full cast audio drama. We publish a second exclusive story to our online print edition, and we give you a glimpse behind the pages with our author interview series. Subscribe to the Storyteller series wherever you listen to podcasts and visit nightshiftradio.com for more information.